is up, football fans? Welcome to Stick to Football, episode 41. This is Matt Miller, joined as always by my buddy Connor Rogers, and we have a kick-ass show for you today. It is mock draft season, so we are just going to go back and forth. The Browns are on the clock. I'm going to make a pick for them. Then you're going to put the Giants on the clock, and we're just going to have some fun going back and forth, man. Yeah, dude, it's going to be great. And I think we got to lead with some pretty big news, right? Uh, our senior bowl plans, how we're kicking things off. So what do we got, Matt? Oh, good call. So, yes, we have we have a huge like week, and it really kind of starts today. And then Thursday night, we will record the normal Stick to Football Friday. It'll come out Friday morning at 4 a.m. We're also going to go ahead and record a senior bowl preview that'll come out Monday morning. Monday the whole crew flies to Mobile. You guys are coming from New York. We're coming from Missouri. Kennedy's coming from, I think she's somewhere in Europe right now. I don't even know where yeah. she is. She's <laughs> going to be coming in off the road. We're going to have a great crew down there. And every day we'll be doing a podcast wrap up, talking about practices and rumors and news. But the big event that you guys, if you are within a drive of Mobile, or if you're going to be there for the Senior Bowl, you want to come hang out with us Monday night at 8 p.m. local time. 8 p.m. Central at Draft Picks. How fucking perfect is that? At Draft Picks Tap Room. We are going to be doing the podcast live. You guys can ask your draft on draft questions live. Mello's going to be like working the crowd, getting draft on draft questions. We It's going to be incredible. I think, you know, a year ago when we really knew this podcast was going to happen, we thought, okay, like the 2018 draft is, is when we're going to really try to own it because 2017, we got started so late on. So I'm... I'm so excited to do a live show and hopefully impress our bosses enough that we can keep doing them. Because I, I think I know I've said before on the Friday show, I feel like people listen to this for our opinions and our our information. But it, podcasts are so personality driven. And, and I'm excited that everybody's going to get a chance to see just how crazy we are in person. Oh, it's going to be an absolute blast. People get to hang out. We got like a nine person crew this year, I believe, down in Mobile, Alabama. So that's as big as the entourage has ever been. We usually hover around like four or five or six. So nine people. And it's going to be fun because this show is really about you guys, all the fans and listeners that we've had, answering your questions, interacting with us. Some of you have been so good to us, sending us different beers, beer recommendations, actually shipping beers all the way to whether it's Missouri or New York. And now we get to hang out with you guys for a night, drink some beer. We'll have the live show going on. So that show will publish first thing Tuesday morning, previewing the Senior Bowl and what's ahead, but really just having a good time and just hanging out with you guys, answering weird questions, doing all kinds of crazy things. So at Draft Picks down in Mobile, Alabama, it's going to be a blast. But we got some important business to take care of today, Matt. And you are on the clock, number one overall for the Cleveland Browns. I was going to say, speaking of taking care of business and some draft picks, let's let's dive into this mock. Like I said, we're going to go back and forth. I'll pick for the Browns. You pick for the Giants. We did it this way so that you could have the Jets pick, basically. So, yeah, that's basically how we set so this you, up. And I, and I get the Niners, I think, too. So. I know. So don't let me down. So I'm going to be incredibly obvious here The with the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to take Sam Darnold. And we're doing this pre-free agency. And so, yes, Kirk Cousins might be a Brown. They might trade for Alex Smith. There are a lot of directions they could go. John Dorsey and his crew could go to try to fill that gap at quarterback. But when I look at Sam Darnold, I see it, all the cliches I know. But like this is honestly my notes on him. It's like tough, poised, you know, plays big in clutch situations. Yeah, he has some issues that he's going to have to clean up. All these prospects do. There is no perfect prospect. There's no Andrew Luck. I think Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, though, in terms of play and mental makeup, toughness, 
Josh Rosen has pretty much said he doesn't want to go to Cleveland. Hey, don't worry about it. We don't want him. We want Sam Darnold from USC. Yeah, and it's interesting because talking to some different decision makers at the NFL level, they feel like the miss rate is actually the lowest on Sam Darnold when you break yes. everything down. I think there's, as weird as it is, there are character concerns with Josh Rosen. I, you know, me and Matt have vouched for him, but the NFL has their character concerns with him. Baker Mayfield's just a different prospect. You know, the size, the hand size, and unorthodox style play is going to have people concerned. Josh Allen is is a raw player, and Lamar Jackson is like Baker Mayfield, where he's an unorthodox player, and there's questions about them translating. So whether you agree with it or not, Sam Darnold in the eyes of the NFL has the lowest miss rate, and that's why I think that's a great pick, and it, may, it makes sense that he would go number one overall. Just to clarify, this mock draft is what Matt and I think will will happen not what we would do so this is kind of a preview taking all of our rumors and taking everything we've heard and all our evaluations and putting them into a mock that is the most realistic for you guys it might not be what you want to hear but it's just getting you ready for the actual draft so number two New York Giants I have them taking Josh Rosen here now there's a caveat here we won't do any trades in this mock draft with the news that they will hire Pat Shermer from the Minnesota Vikings with Dave Gettleman running the show I firmly believe the Giants will look to trade this pick and not take a quarterback number two overall. I think they will roll with Eli Manning for the next two years or so. I think they will look to build that offensive line, look to build that roster, especially on the offensive side. And I think there'll be a lot of callers for that number two pick. But in this case, if they do stay put, and this is what I would do as well, take Josh Rosen, get your quarterback of the future. Without a doubt. It's what I would do. It's what they should do. But as you just said, uh, I think we've both heard things and I wrote about this in my mock draft last week is that there's a lot of, they're making a lot of sentimental decisions there. And I think by bringing in someone like Dave Gettleman, who is connected, like he's not an outsider. He is an insider. He's not going to come in and say, you know what? Eli's done. We got to start over. He's not going to do that. He's going to defer to ownership. He's not going to ruffle feathers. So will this pick happen? Honestly, don't know. I could see it being a trade-out situation. I could see it being Saquon Barkley. I think there are a lot of ways they could go. They should go with Josh Rosen. I, I like this pick. And this is where he wants to be. And you you said it there. There's, uh, there's going to be questions about Josh Rosen. Whether or not you and I have them is a different story because people in the NFL have them. And that is what's going to matter in late April. Not if me and you think that Hey, he's, he's fine. You know, he's, he's a little brash. He could be a little outspoken, but I like that. You know, I, I like that fire. It doesn't matter because if Dave Gettleman doesn't feel that way and if John Dorsey doesn't feel that way and if John Elway doesn't feel that way, then they're not going to pick him. And I, I think that's what is important about the next four months. And what can be so frustrating about Twitter and the echo chamber of it is that you have all these quote unquote experts who say, oh, no, no, he's cool. Josh Rosen's fine. And he, but they're not making that decision and I'm not, neither are you. So he's going to be a fascinating guy as, as we get into the process where you and I can talk to scouts and general managers and coaches and really start to see what the feeling is on him. Yeah, I, that's exactly it. It's the best way to put it because when you look at this, the, at the end of the day, there are concerns there and I'm really curious to see if, if there is some kind of slide with Rosen because I went back and watched a lot of his um, his coach's film, his All-22 film this weekend, and the throws this guy makes, he's in a different class. In, he's just a head and shoulders above everyone else from a pure talent standpoint in this quarterback class. But at the end of the day, we've seen talented guys passed on before, so he's going to be have. a guy to watch You know how volatile is his draft stock. 
Yeah. All right. Colts are on the board at pick number three. Uh, Chris Ballard, he's going to have head coach Josh McDaniels. Um, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Everyone knows this already. I don't know why they're making them wait (laughs) to announce it. Josh McDaniels is going to be the head coach there. They go defense. Bradley Chubb. This team needs an edge rusher. I know there will be a lot of fans who are like, Saquon Barkley's the top player on your board. What are you doing? I, I mean, just knowing what I know about this front office. I think they go edge rusher. They like Marlon Mack, who they drafted last year. They can get another back in the middle rounds to compliment him, go with kind of a a two-headed approach at running back. You look at what McDaniels has done in New England. They've never had a feature back. It's always been a committee thing. Maybe I'm connecting too many dots with that one, but I think they go edge rusher. When Ballard was in Kansas City, the identity of that team was guys like Tom Bahali and Justin Houston and being able to get to the quarterback I think Bradley Chubb has a chance to be a Joey Bosa type impact as a rookie and maybe to that Bosa level of like pro bowl, all pro in his second year guys who are six, four and a half, 275 pounds should not move like he does. It's special what his agility looks like. I don't think he's Jadavion Clowney. I don't think he's miles Garrett, but he is in that next tier of the elite edge prospects that I've ever seen. Listen, he plays a violent game, and he plays with an alpha male attitude that translates across that defensive line. Bradley Chubb is the best pass rusher in this class, and I I don't think he's going to have a freakish combine, but I think he's so good that it won't matter, and I'm completely on board with you. I think this is one pick besides Darnold that I almost penciled in now. It's the Colts should take Bradley Chubb, and I think they will take Bradley Chubb and I think it's just it's almost a layup it's it's almost too easy but number four the Browns are back on the clock again god the Browns are just always on the clock it seems like and and this is a good place to be I I think the pick here has to be Minka Fitzpatrick I think this secondary still needs help I don't think Jabril Peppers was a good pick last year especially in the first round I think there are serious questions about what he can do in coverage or really what he can't do in coverage Minka Fitzpatrick changes everything. I think he gives you leadership on the back end. I think he gives you speed. He's obviously had the versatility between being a cornerback and a safety. I've seen all kinds of different things come out over the last couple of weeks. I firmly believe this guy is a free safety, and I think he is a game-changing free safety, and I think he could play slot corner when they need him to. Just gets the Browns a versatile player for that defense, so they have two stars, Miles Garrett, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Matt, where do you see Minka playing at the next level? Uh, I think he's a free safety. I'm with you. And and I would almost call it just a matchup safety. I do think there's a little bit of difference in the, you know, it's not Madden anymore, where you have a strong safety who plays in the box and a free safety who plays over the top. That's a good point. I think you have to have versatility. And, and a, a very important aspect of Greg Williams' defense is that post safety. And I, I think Minka can play that. I know there are folks saying, Hey, he could play corner. He's done it before. He's comfortable there. I'm with you. I think he's a free safety. He's going to test exceptionally well. Um, I've been told by people at Alabama, he's a a high 4-3 type guy. His football instincts and football character are going to be off the charts. I think this is a great pick for them, not only because of the need, but because you have to build a culture in Cleveland of winning. And I've said that so many times on this show about them is that you, you got to start drafting guys who fucking hate to lose. And that might sound like, oh, that's obvious. But but it really isn't because they haven't done that. They, they haven't done it. They need yeah. guys. Like, I, when I watch Corey Coleman play, I don't get the sense that he hates to lose. 
Like, I don't, I don't know that he went in the locker room and threw up after he dropped that pass in week 17 to go 0 and 16. Maybe he did, but I don't get that fire from him that I get from Minka Fitzpatrick. So right now we have the Browns getting Sam Darnold and Minka Fitzpatrick. Good luck finding two guys in this draft who have better character reports are better leaders and want to win more. Like they just, they have that desire. So I think I grabbed the guy on offense. You grabbed the guy on defense who are going to, I think round this roster out and start to put it into a level of respectability that has been completely missing in the last, well shit in the last decade, really. Yeah, no doubt. I I think it's just, it seems like a no brainer to me and you said it best. And you know, it is another underrated aspect because he is absolutely great. But Miles Garrett is another guy that I, I don't know if he's ever going to be the captain or the the nonstop leader of the defense, and that's okay. Yeah, not everyone's not everyone's built that way. Like Leonard Williams is very very good for the Jets, and I know there were the stories that hey he's taking you know the leadership classes working with Ronnie Lott. That's fine, but you don't have to always be the alpha male of the defense. That's why you go and get Jamal Adams, and because you can have talented guys. That might be a little more reserved, and there's nothing wrong with that. Minka Fitzpatrick is the guy that you put on the defense and you say, this is the guy that we follow. He might not be the most talented guy, although in Cleveland he he would be one of them right away, but this is a guy that gives you an identity, and with these two, the Browns have a new identity under John Dorsey. And I was going to say, the one area where I would compare Minka Fitzpatrick and Jalen Ramsey is in that area, in that leadership, like, I, I'm an alpha. Guys are going to follow me. You know, I, I used to tell this story when when Ramsey was in that 2016 draft that I'd always heard that his freshman year, he walked into the Florida State DB room and was like, this room is mine now. Like you guys, I, you guys are going to follow me. And and people respected him so much that they they did. They they followed this 19 year old, you know, seniors were following a true freshman. I think Minka brings that same level of like leadership and that you, you said it earlier, like a guy who's just an alpha, like everyone is going to follow him and, and watch him and, and feed off that. So I, that's one reason I think you nailed it with that pick. All right, Denver Broncos. And I'm going to piss a lot of people off. I'm just going to warn you right now. There are going to be <laughs> we go. a lot of people that are very unhappy, but we are doing this not based on what we would do, but what we are hearing, albeit very early. My pick is Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming. I know People are going to say, we already took that guy in Paxton Lynch. And I know people are going to say he's way too raw. I There's too much smoke with this for there not to be something to it. And it is. It is super early. This is another team. They might sign Kirk Cousins, although I don't know how they would with their salary cap situation. But they might figure out a way to make it happen. I don't see any way in the world that Alex Smith ends up here because I don't think the Chiefs will trade him within the division. They might not even trade him within the conference. The Broncos have to get it right at quarterback. People are really starting to question John Elway. He needs to, he really needs to just hand pick a guy and say, this is going to be my guy. Even if I have to get on that damn field and coach him myself, this is going to be my guy. I I think Josh Allen, not that he's going to be John Elway. I I think there are a lot of similarities in the style of play. Paxton Lynch and Josh Allen, I don't think are anywhere close to the same player or athlete or person. Person is the big one that I outline. I yeah. think they're just completely different people. And, I, and that's and important. I, I think that like matters for quarterback. You can't, yeah. you know, Paxton Lynch, you know, we were just talking about guys who like want to win. Like, have you ever got that feeling from him? He's so quiet. Ne- I never, and, and I said it before. The, and yeah. And maybe there's more there that 
that we don't see, but I, I just have a hard time believing that he's the type of leader this team needs. No, no doubt. And I think Josh Allen just screams that he's an, like an Elway guy. Like he's the type of prospect where, and you know, what's going to be super interesting is the Broncos are going to get a very close look at both him and Baker Mayfield and Mobile next week. Can you and believe that they have finagled it to where they could coach both those guys? It's uh, is, is that confirmed now? It's definitely that I saw the reports that they have requested to coach both, right? Yeah, it's not confirmed yet. Like the rosters aren't out, but yeah, it doesn't sound like this. I don't know why Phil Savage would say that if it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I so don't know. Broncos how you fans can, don't yeah. hate us, but uh, listen, <laughs> uh, now on to my New York Jets. This is where things get extremely interesting because this goes against my philosophy, but goes right with Mike McCagnans. I took Saquon Barkley for the Jets sixth overall, who is the best football player in this class. I don't firmly believe in taking running backs this early, but there is an exception here. Number one, the Jets, you would hope come into this draft with a quarterback signed with that quarterback being Kirk Cousins. You also would hope that they can target a pass rusher like Bradley Chubb, but there's a good chance he doesn't make it to them. Take the, they're going to take the best player available. McCagnan has always done this. They had Muhammad Wilkerson when he was actually good and gave a shit about football, and Sheldon Richardson on the team when they drafted Leonard Williams sixth overall. And then last year, they took a safety sixth overall because they felt he was the best football player in the class. It would not shock me to see the same thing happen all over again with Saquon Barkley, And let's be real, the Jets' offense, besides Robbie Anderson, needs something that scares you. They need a—and Robbie Anderson has been excellent as a vertical threat, but they want to run the ball. Todd Bowles says it all the time. We want to be a team that plays defense and runs the football. Well, the offensive line, it's it's been average, but if you have an average offensive line, you need an elite running back. Saquon Barkley, in my eyes, could come in and be an elite running back from day one. So uh, this is the pick I think that would happen if the board fell this way, assuming they get the quarterback situation solved in free agency. I I actually love this pick. I don't have any argument against it. And I'm with you. I think they figure out the quarterback position in free agency or via a trade. And yeah, there you go. I mean, that's that's that, right? Like, okay, if we get if they get Kirk Cousins. The reason is when you're sitting at six, you have too much risk. Like you, you say the Jets want Darnold, Rosen, Allen, or Baker Mayfield. Say they want three of the four. There's a good chance you will miss. You will not get them if you sit at six. So do you want right. to spend your entire draft to go up and get one? Well, you can't really afford to do that because you have other problems to figure out on the roster. And I don't think I don't think any of these quarterbacks are the guy you do that for. Like I agree. I fully agree I, with that. I, for yeah. golf, okay, golf or Wentz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm aboard. Like, go for it. These guys, I think there's too much risk. And not to, like, hijack and make this all about the Jets, but I we have a lot of Jets fans who listen, and you guys tweet me all the time about, why didn't you put Baker Mayfield to the Jets? If if they draft Baker Mayfield, I'll, I'll shave my head. If they draft him at six, <laughs> like... I'll do something or I'll, I don't know. I'll, I'll pound five beers in a row or I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say that I have a personal relationship with that front office or anything. I don't think anyone does. I think they're locked up tight. They're like Fort Knox. Manish Meta seems to have one. I'm sure he does. <laughs> and, <laughs> but what I do know, I have, I've looked at McCagnan's drafts and I know where he came from in terms of his philosophy 
I can't see any way in hell they draft Baker at six. And I like Baker, but I, I think we, I think draft fans need to come around to the reality of you can like a guy and understand that he's not going to certain teams. And I, don't I will think- say that they would take Baker if they were in like a serious bind. Like, let's be real. They got the uh, two-year extension. So I, I hate to be so blunt, but in the football world, that means you can be fired after next year. If they miss completely in free agency, something went horribly wrong. And if they watch Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen go by, you might have to take him to save your job, I think, at that oh. point. But this supports your point that it almost is starting to feel like a long shot, especially when it goes against the front office philosophy. So it does. Baker Mayfield at six, like yeah, it would have to be to Baker, save their job. How fucking scary would that be? I can tell you a lot of teams have said to us they don't want to do it. So I, I, I say Baker Mayfield finds his way into the top 10 of this draft, but that's just because it only takes one. A lot of teams would be scared to do it. Yeah, without but a doubt. We love him. We absolutely love him, but this isn't what we love to do. This is what we think is going to happen. Yep, yep. All right, you get to you get to move on now. Who do you got? Oh, I'm up. It's Never a, mind. You're I can't up count. with the Bucks. Yeah, we can't, can't skip count. the Bucks. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to go a little outside the lines here. Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. I do Perfect think fit. he's worth. I think he's worth a top five pick. I know positional value might mess that up, but I, I think he's special. He's mean. He's smart. Uh, he is a finisher in the run game, but he's also smooth enough in the pass game. He's a bigger offensive guard, which I think some teams might look at and be like, gosh, I don't, is this guy going to fit our system? I think he perfectly fits for the Bucs. And when I see that team, they have holes all over the place, of course. That's why they're picking here, but they have to do something to help Jameis Winston. They have to do something to kickstart the run game. I, and Quentin Nelson does that. I mean, this is the Saquon Barkley pick all over again. You take the best player on the board, and it's a big need. And it helps you in a lot of ways. And I think he's just a great player with great character, and that's a great pick. Uh, The Bears up next. I took Denzel Ward here. I think Ward is going to find his way into the top 12 of this draft. I think he's the best cornerback in this draft. And I think the Bears recognize they do have a need for corner. You know, pending what happens with Kyle Fuller, but I still think they have a need for corner. And I think Ward's a really, really nice fit in that defense. I said it on last week's Friday show. I've talked to people in New Orleans. I've talked to people at Ohio State. They think that Denzel Ward is faster and more athletic than Marshawn Lattimore. He is a little smaller. He's a little shorter. Yeah. A little shorter. He's 5'11". He's probably about 190, 195. But he's probably going to run in the high four twos as long as he's healthy at the combine. And he is physical. I think that's exactly what they need. They it's like every corner on that roster is a free agent that and or sucks. So they got to do something to yeah. to fill fill those holes. I really like that fit. All right, Oakland Raiders. This is the most obvious pick in the entire draft, other than maybe other than Bradley Chubb to Indianapolis. Uh, I'm going to go with Roquan Smith. They need a linebacker. I don't want to put all the blame on Ken Norton Jr. and Jack Del Rio, but it's amazing that two former NFL linebackers could not coach a defense where the middle of the field was defended. If you wanted to beat the Raiders, just use your tight end, and you would beat them every time. Roquan, I think, is athletic enough in coverage. He is a fierce hitter in space. He has great range to make plays outside the hashes. He is a little small. I think we've seen it in the in the playoff games. There were times he struggled to come off blocks, but I, I love his athleticism and the intensity that he brings to that spot. Yeah, Roquan Smith doesn't really allow anything sideline to sideline. It's pretty unbelievable, and he can cover. He can blitz. 
You know, he's got a lot of fight in him in the middle of that defense. He's a top five player in this draft. So I think that's an awesome, awesome addition for uh, the soon to be Vegas Raiders now under John Gruden. Your 49ers up next. This is probably the first shock of the draft, but this is my my pick here for that Hassan Riddick, Khalil Mack, epic rise from now until draft. Marcus Davenport from UTSA. Yeah, this is an epic rise here. But listen, the Niners have a need for an edge pass rush. Bradley Chubb is gone. I think there are serious questions about Arden Key off the field. I think that I like Harold Landry, but I I don't think he's necessarily as impressive or won't be as impressive as an athlete as Davenport. I think the Niners, you know, really would like to add him to that impressive front to get after the quarterback. So as a Niners fan, I would, my only two thoughts would be, I'm going to be pissed if they go D line for the fourth year in a row in the first round, (laughs) just because, I mean, like Buckner's good and Thomas, Thomas struggled. Armstead is, is not really been healthy enough to live up to the potential i I think that's where you like 49ers fans would be like god really like we've invested so much in this defense and why not go josh jackson or why not go uh you know even connor williams offensive tackle to maybe he plays left guard and then eventually replaces joe staley and then davenport like you said this is your dude i tweeted at you this morning we're recording this tuesday morning that this is your dude and he is going to be fascinating to watch next week in Mobile. He's going to be fascinating to watch at the Combine because his tape is dominant. And I remember Jeff Schwartz was calling a UTSA game, and he tweeted me and was or texted me and was like, dude, this Davenport kid at UTSA is unreal. You need to, like, get on him. And so, you know, start watching him. He dominated at that level. Now we get to see him against the big boys. You know, let's That's see what right. he does this week. He could either blow up, like you're saying, and become a top 15 pick, or we could get to mobile and be like, okay, this dude can't get off a block from a power five left tackle. And, and, you know, he could be a second round pick who has great athletic potential. He's, he is going to be fascinating to watch. I'm, I'm lower on him than you are, but I also recognize that guys who are six, seven, two fifty five with that level of agility don't come around very often. You know, it's like, it's just a rare player. Yeah, it is. So he, and players like that do tend to shoot up. So I'm proud of you, man, putting it kind of putting your nuts on the table. With this if one. I get this one, if I, if the Niners <laughs> take Davenport, I will, I will have to play this clip back. This will be my shining moment from January 16th is the, the day I announced it. We'll see. Yeah, I love it. It'd be your highlight reel. If you, if this one happens, all right, the dolphins are on the clock. I'm going to go Derwin James. Uh, I, I feel like, I, and I, I released a mock draft on Monday, and I had him going like 30. And then I, I started like, what the hell did I do? And I was forgetting too, about him. I was too focused on like fit instead of just thinking, okay, this guy's actually one of the best athletes in the draft. And he did start slow this year, coming back from injury. Once he got healthy, he was one of the most dominant players in college football. He's versatile. He has range. He has size. And the Dolphins have Risha Jones and they have TJ McDonald. I would not count on TJ McDonald at all. I mean, the dude's just coming off a huge suspension. Uh, I think someone like Derwin James, like you have to start thinking about churning this roster. I don't love any of the defensive ends here. I just don't think it's a good value. So Derwin James, I think the value is there, the fits there, and it, it is a pretty big need for them. 
All right, Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, I, I really wanted Quentin Nelson to fall here, but I think you did a good job making sure that does not happen because that might not be realistic. So, hey, we take your guy, Connor Williams, a guy that was on our show last week. I think they need a little I need think they need to get a little younger. And I think that he's a good athlete. I think he's got a mean streak. I think when you're betting on upside in this class of tackle, that's the guy you take. So listen, the Bengals need a tackle, whether it's Orlando Brown, Mike McGlinchey, obviously you would have liked Quentin Nelson to fall at, you know, help the interior, but take Connor Williams here and you hopefully get a franchise guy for the next 10 years. Yeah. And I think they missed on Jake Fisher. Maybe they missed on Cedric Obwehi. Fisher might even be able to move inside. You know, he, when he was coming out of Oregon, he was a guy that we talked a lot about maybe plays other positions, you know, just because of the, the athleticism that he has. So I I do like where you're going there. Uh, Let's do one more pick and then we'll take a break. Washington's on the clock. You've got a, a team that might lose their quarterback. So I look at this and I, I had a different pick on the board, but I'm going to change it up on the fly here. I'm going to go Baker Mayfield. I think this is the most likely spot for him. I maintain that he comes off the board somewhere in the teens. You have a team. I mean, Kirk Cousins, you guys have kind of, you know, messed that whole thing up all along of let's franchise him. Let's not, you know, let's jerk him around. I think Baker Mayfield comes here. They reportedly love Colt McCoy as a bridge quarterback. Uh, I would like to be in that room with those two together. You got a little Texas OU rivalry. Um, And one is good and one is not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, easy now. Easy now. I know. Um, I know. There's (laughs) sensitive buttons there. Yeah. Uh, So that's where Baker comes off the board in in this one. I I do think it's a good fit for him with Jay Gruden. No doubt. All right. Let's take a little break and we'll knock out the rest of the mock draft right after this. Welcome back to episode 41 of Stick to Football. We are driving through this mock draft, going a little slow, but hey, we want to let you know uh, about the players you guys are getting. So the Packers are on the clock. If you need a little reminder, Matt just gave Washington Baker Mayfield. So a new, a new era starts for Washington after Kirk Cousins presumably, presumably leaves. So Green Bay, another team that I think needs edge help. It's crazy when you go through the top 32 picks and you go, man, this team could use a pass rusher. This team could use a pass rusher. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? There's only so many. There's only so many. But Green Bay, this would be a pretty good landing spot for Harold Landry from Boston College. I think Landry is a guy that played injured this year. I thought his 2016 tape was electric. Me and Matt could not say enough good things about him over summer. It felt like every show we were talking about Harold Landry. I don't think this year was as as great as I expected to be, although it was still good. I think teams double-teamed him. Like I said, he's playing a little banged up. Super productive player. Excited to see him at the Senior Bowl. And I think a guy that just fits really, really nicely in Green Bay. Yeah, and let's talk about Harold Landry. Before the season, scouts had him higher than they had Bradley Chubb. Like, they, you know, they do these summer meetings, and you kind of, like, set an early board. People were high on him. And, and, you know, so I was, too. You know, and watching last year's tape, like, he's a little more athlete than, you know, Chubb. I, especially until this year, I thought it was like more of a, a power rusher. Landry's a little smoother and injuries kind of derailed that this year. I like the pick for Green Bay. They need help at all four linebacker spots. They need help at corner. So I could have seen Josh Jackson here, but I, I like it. If Harold Landry's healthy, this he's totally worth pick number 14 without a doubt. So 15, you got the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, 
unfortunate situation because they have no quarterbacks on their roster. Like that, and that's not hyperbole. I'm not saying that Blaine Gabbert and Drew Stanton are shit. They literally have no quarterbacks <laughs> signed because Carson Palmer retired. But there's no one to take here. Like I'm, I am not a Lamar Jackson believer in the first round. I think maybe not even the second. We'll see. Right now, I wouldn't take him in the second round. Uh, he might, he might go there, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't take Mason Rudolph here. So next best fit for them wide receiver John Brown and Jerron Brown have not panned out Larry Fitzgerald's got to be close to the end of the line and I know Bruce Arians wouldn't draft receivers early because he thought they couldn't play right away so he's like I'm not taking a receiver in the first I think this is a different player it's now a new regime they're going to get a new head coach soon Calvin Ridley from Alabama super super smooth route runner good hands don't get caught looking at his numbers because I, I know I've said this before. He had a running back throwing him the ball the last two years. So you can't look at production. You have to look at traits. And I, I think he's far and away the best receiver in this class. And he's ready to be on the field. That's the thing with him, too. He runs such good routes. I think he's a reliable player. I think he could step right in. The biggest question in Arizona right now, I mean, we'll see who their head coach is. There's a lot of questions in Arizona right now. I, I think they have young talent across the defense. But man, that offense, I'm just going to call it like I see it right now. It's a nightmare. It's good that David Johnson will be back because he can change the game. But when you have to answer questions at every other position, it's a little scary. So I think getting a piece with Calvin Ridley, a player that you know what you're getting from, that pick makes so much sense for this Arizona team. Next up, Baltimore Ravens. Darius Geis from LSU. I love this guy. I don't care how many people have jumped off the bandwagon this season. He was playing injured when he's healthy. He's been dynamite. I think he's a better version of Mark Ingram, and, and I think that goes Ooh, I like that. In, this, in this draft in the middle of the first round. Baltimore, can you give me something to be excited about on offense? Not Joe fucking Flacco, not Brashad Perriman, who just lit up the track. Give me a player that gives you offensive identity. You need to re-sign your center in Ryan Jensen. You draft Darius guys, run the football, play defense, get back to Baltimore's roots. Nobody seems like more of a Baltimore Raven in this class than Darius guys. He is a badass motherfucker, and I love this pick for them. <laughs> I love that. Yes, he is. He absolutely is. I have no idea why so many people have forgotten about him unless it's because he was hurt. That's that should be his scouting report. When we when we start filing <laughs> scouting reports, just strengths, badass motherfucker. Done. Okay, yeah, that's it. He is the he's the best power back in this class. And I know Saquon Barkley's bigger. Geis is the best power back. The Ravens should look at this. And I know they have Alex Collins who but they also came out and said he's going to have to earn it next year. They don't have anyone like this. And when this team was great, they had a power back in Ray Rice. Get it again. I, I actually love that pick. And I and your your explanation was also really good. <laughs> and I got carried away listening to you and didn't even make my next pick. So now the Chargers are on the clock and I gotta I gotta scramble to fill this pick. I'm just gonna cheat and look and see what I did in my my mock draft earlier. It's uh, probably somebody I already picked. I, they definitely they could probably use a corner, I would imagine, right now. Yeah. I think, I mean, at some point, they got to get a quarterback, but that won't be this year, obviously. They absolutely need a quarterback of the future is part of the problem. And I'll and tell you so what you they don't need the is board. a pass rusher. Finally, a team they, that doesn't need pass rusher. No, they don't need a pass rusher. I'm going to go with Josh Jackson, um, corner from Iowa. Like you said, they... Yeah, I feel like they have... Like, Casey Hayward has been a, a pro bowler the last two years. Jason Verrett just cannot stay healthy. He's also a smaller guy with this 
New defense with Gus Bradley style. I think they need some size out there. Josh Jackson, 6'1", 195, had eight picks this year and had three against Ohio State. Also had maybe the prettiest pick of the year against Ohio State when he when he one-handed that one, like falling away and caught it. So I'm a big Josh Jackson fan. I have him at number 12 overall. Um, it, it is kind of a best player available situation, not as much a need, but I'm not going to draft someone like Vita Vea at, at this spot of the draft and I, I just I'm not gonna draft a nose tackle this early, so I'm gonna go corner here. Yeah, it's a little. It would be a little early for those guys, and I think Josh Jackson's a great fit there. That that one kind of stings because with the Seahawks being on the clock there, I thought I had the perfect pick in place with Josh Jackson. He just that length, the ball skills seem like the perfect Seattle corner. But you make a great point that there's a good chance he doesn't make it there now. So. Seahawks are on the clock. I take the next best option for them at cornerback and Carlton Davis from Auburn. This guy is long. He will punch you in the face at the line of the scrimmage at the line of scrimmage. I think he finds the ball pretty well in the air. I thought his matchup against Calvin Ridley was was very impressive. I, I think that this guy can step in and play right away. Seattle is in a little bit of turmoil right now between the coaching staff, the you know the veterans on defense. It's very interesting situation. So. This is a team that they desperately do need to add talent. Russell Wilson can only take you so far year after year. Offensive line would always be interesting here. I just don't know who you can justify taking with, you know, the with Quentin Nelson obviously gone, Connor Williams gone, maybe Mike McGlinchey, but I'd rather go get the corner, especially a guy that fits their system as well as Davis does. Yeah, and that some people might say, oh, that's a little early for Carlton Davis. It is, I, it I think, is a little early, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think scheme fit is super important. Uh, I I'll just add the the guy I would go after would be Ronnie Harrison because I think Cam Chancellor's probably done. That's so, a great fit. Yeah. But but they corner over safety, I, I think most of the time that's where you're gonna go. So not not at all a bad pick, man. Um let's see. I read my notes here who I have the the Cowboys taking. Oh, I wanted to go receiver here so bad. Like I I wanted Calvin Ridley to fall when he started falling earlier. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get I'm going to get Calvin Ridley at 19. This is going to be great. Uh, no, I'm not going to be able to get him. So I look at the next biggest need on this roster. I think it's defensive line. I'm going to go Maurice Hurst from Michigan. They need not only guys who can stop the run. They need pass rushers. They need some physicality in the middle of the line. Uh, hopefully they're able to keep Tank Lawrence in free agency. He just had a dominant year playing defensive end for them. So I look at this like, yes, maybe they would like to go offense, I don't like Cortland Sutton here. It's still a little early for Christian Kirk, in my opinion, even though I did have him going here in my mock draft that came out Monday just because I had a run on receivers happening. But I would love Maurice Hurst. Great first step, great effort. He is a little undersized, but his play against the run is is shockingly good. He's explosive off the line of scrimmage. Even when he doesn't make a play that goes in the stat sheet, he makes a play. He forces quarterbacks into the mouth of the defense the other way. I was very impressed watching him. And a lot of people were on me because I kept saying Deron Payne is the best interior D-line in this class. I still believe that, but I think the gap is so tight between him and Maurice Hurst. They're very different players, too. Yeah, Next up, are. the Lions, a, a team that does need some help up front. This is where I take the risk pick here. I will admit I have really, once again, jumped off the Arden Key bandwagon. I thought he had the talent to be a top-five player in this class. I don't know if he has... The mindset, but he is extremely talented. And the Lions have a very big decision with Ezekiel Alonso coming up. And even he's going to be 29. They need some pass rush help. And Arden Key is a guy that 
He could have 12 to 15 sacks a year, or he can be out of football in three years. And I know Lions fans, I made the pick for you just now. And that might not be what you want to hear. This is, I'll just want to be truthful. This is a boomer bust pick. And I do think there is a team out there that says, Hey, we're going to roll the dice in the first round. And what will be very interesting will be to see how much is the defense prioritized in this draft now with that new coaching staff in place. Yeah, no, I Arden key is a tough one, man, because when you just watch him play, you think, gosh, this kid's top 10 talent. And then he could be there. Chandler the, Jones there. Yeah. You but, look at his injury history though. And you're like, okay, well he's been hurt several times this year. He also left the team in the spring for as of now, undisclosed reasons that I think will probably come out over the next couple months. Uh, it's not my story to tell. I'm not going to tell it, uh, but he is, he's an interesting one to watch. It's going to be about comfort. How comfortable can teams get with him? Uh, now we've got the bills back to back picks. Thanks to that trade with Kansas city. Uh, I'm up first. I'm going to go offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey. I I do think that Deion Dawkins was good at left tackle as a rookie. McGlinchey comes in at right tackle and solidifies that offensive line. I mean, realistically, for the next four four to five years, excuse me, he can be the guy who opens holes in the run game. He can be a good pass protector. He has experience at right tackle. He played there when Ronnie Stanley uh, was at Notre Dame and was on the left side. Jordan Mills. Band-Aid player. Like he is not your long-term right tackle. I, I think McGlinchey comes in, and we see that new front office uh, really focusing on, okay, let's build up this offensive line. Brian Dable coming in. You know they're going to run the ball. So McGlinchey is a, a great pick, in, in my opinion, for them here. That's just a perfect fit, and I like that it kind of builds a theme here because the Bills are on the clock again, and it's my turn. Let's build those trenches in Buffalo. You shipped out Marcel Darius. Now you draft Deron Payne, and – Deron Payne is another dude in this just this draft class with raw power, and I think the best is yet to come for him. He's still only 20 years old. He had his best game in the championship game. When the spotlight was on this year, Deron Payne showed up against that Georgia team and said, listen, I'm going to spend the day in the backfield, whether it's getting and after man, from, he did. whether it's stopping those running backs. This dude is an NFL caliber now, NFL caliber right now, interior defensive lineman, Buffalo, they're going to build those trenches up right now, and they're going to be a team that no one wants to play if they do. So get the best guy here, and that is Deron Payne. And if Bills fans are like, God, we just traded an Alabama D lineman, from everything I've heard, Payne is not going to give you any of the issues that Marcel Darius did. So it's kind of like, oh, we're getting a... uh, Also, I think he's more athletic. He's not strictly a nose tackle. You're getting more of a, like you saw against the Georgia Bulldogs, a guy who can get penetration, but is also just a high character guy that you're going to be really happy with the Los Angeles Rams on the clock. Got to go corner here. Tremaine Johnson's a free agent. I think also you just, even if you can keep him, you just need to upgrade at that position. Isaiah Oliver from Colorado, a guy I really, really like looks like an NFL corner runs like an NFL corner covers like an NFL corner. He reminds me of Desmond Trufant when he was at Washington, just a guy who maybe doesn't do anything elite. He's not going to run like Denzel Ward. He's not going to pick off eight passes like Josh Jackson. He's just going to shut shit down on his side of the field. Incredibly solid and fills what I think is the biggest need for the Rams headed before free agency. That's the number one need for them. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, especially if they lose the Marcus Joyner in free agency, too. You're talking about a secondary that just continue that'll need some patching up is the best way to say, because 
Sometimes I think uh, this is this is a bit bold, but I think when Aaron Donald is up front, sometimes I wonder if they could put you and me at corner and cover for one second <laughs> while Aaron Donald just blows everything else up off the snap. Is he not the best player in football right now? I know that we're getting a little off topic here, no, but I, I want to give the I Rams tweeted, some love. I, think, I tweeted, I think he's MVP. And just because like we expect it from Brady, so it's like, uh, it, it's funny, like when Brady has a bad half, people are like, oh, he fucking sucks. And it's like, <laughs> he's, he's had one bad half in seven years, you know? <laughs> but yeah. if, you, yeah. if you just accept greatness from Brady, then yeah, I think Aaron Donald's the next best player in football. He's the best defender. And that's not like a recent take for me. I was saying that over the summer. Like, I think this guy's the best defender in football. And yeah, he's, if there was a guy like that in this draft, he'd go first overall. Yeah, go get your money, Aaron Donald. You are about to be swimming in cash. Next up, the Panthers. Get, you listen, you traded Calvin Benjamin. You got to get Cam Newton some help. Go get a guy that can go up and win the football. Cortland Sutton from SMU, six foot three, 215 pounds, long arms. I think he's going to run just fine. He makes things happen after the catch. But this pick is all about making things happen in the red zone for your quarterback. Sutton has that Alshon Jeffrey ability. I, I love the way this guy plays. And I think with a real quarterback, I think he can really make some noise at the next level. He's got the most upside out of the receivers in this class. He's not a finished product, but I think Carolina, they they got to help Cam. And this is the guy on the board right now to do it. I, I like it. Uh, I've all, I've had Christian Kirk going there a lot just because I think they need a little more speed over size. But going wide receiver makes a ton of sense for them, especially if you don't love the offensive line that's on the board. Like maybe Billy Price works here to eventually replace uh, Ryan Khalil at center, but they they have to give Cam Newton some help. His accuracy has just uh, his completion percentage has just been awful as of late. I, I think even now, like I see on Twitter all the time, people are like, "Man, is is this?" guy good or are we just led to believe he's good you know so I, I think let's give him some help and, and figure out exactly what you have and if you can get back to being a, a Super Bowl contender uh, Tennessee Titans are on the clock my adopted hometown in Asheville this team needs help in the front seven like I think that is the focus they also need a head coach right now which makes it a little harder to pick for scheme let's say Mike Vrabel's the head coach we've seen what he's done in Houston with these athletic rangy linebackers I think he would fall in love with Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech. That's where I have them going. Someone who, like, I, com- I haven't completely figured him out yet. Like, I don't know if he's an off-ball linebacker or if he's an edge linebacker. I just know he's a really good player, and he has tremendous athleticism. He can make plays whether you want him moving forward or going backward. He's 6'5", 250 with a frame to add weight if you want. And if, if you look at, like, what the Texans did last year, they drafted Zach Cunningham. I, I think Edmonds is a supersized version of that. He's a more instinctive, probably tougher version of that. And when I look at the Titans defense, they need speed. They need youth. They need playmakers in that front seven. Yeah, Ed, I'm a big fan of Edmonds. I got to finally watch him this weekend. And I'll tell you what, his range reminded me of Shaq Thompson. Here's the difference. Shaq Thompson is six feet, 230 pounds. Tremaine Edmonds is 6'5", 250 and I think he plays with the same exact range. That's freakish stuff. I'd love him as an off-ball linebacker. I do wonder if he could bang in the middle. I would imagine 
he will be able to as he continues to get even bigger. But that he's just got freakish range, and I love adding more athleticism to that Titans front seven, especially if Rabel is there. That'd be a really big hire for them. Next up, Falcons. I, I did want to get a Calvin Ridley or Cortland Sutton here to pair with Julio Jones. Those guys are gone. DJ Moore from Maryland, another guy that might be a huge riser. When people go watch what's on film, We've seen receivers from Maryland in the past uh, have some success at the next level. One of them in Stephon Diggs just caught a pretty big touchdown. But Moore is a guy that you watch. He's just electric after the catch. And I think the Falcons, sometimes they ride Julio Jones too much where it's like, well, if Julio doesn't make a play, our passing offense is going to shit. And I think you need to go get a guy that solves that problem. We know you can run the football with both those running backs there. We know Matt Ryan can get the job done with the right help, but you have to have a full supporting cast. If you have a wide receiver trio of Julio Jones, DJ Moore, Muhammad Sanu, this Falcons offense will get back to where it's supposed to be next year. Yeah. And Taylor Gabriel is a free agent. So that's, it's more he of a wasn't need very than good people this might year. think. Yeah. Yeah. He'll probably be in San Francisco next year with Kyle Shanahan. So, all right. Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock. This is a tough, can I give them an offensive coordinator? Can I just like draft uh, someone to come from the college game and be their offensive coordinator? I, I, this is one of those things that's hard to talk about. It's a touchy situation, but it's the reality of the business. We do not know if Ryan Shazier is ever going to play again. And it's unfortunate because you, you hate to see that happen. It's also unfortunate because he had really taken the next step and was becoming a very, very good inside linebacker. So now you have to think not only about, I think this was already a need when he was healthy. Now you have to think, okay, we got to, we got to get someone in here because we can't have LJ Fort and Vince Williams as our inside linebackers next year. Rashawn Evans from Alabama fell to this spot. I, I think he's a better player than coming off the board this late. He has range. It, it's I, I think too often we look at Alabama linebackers and it's like, okay, well, is he CJ Mosley? Was he, is he Reggie Ragland? Is he Ruben Foster? I don't think he's really any of those guys. I think he has a little more size and durability of the Ruben Foster, but he doesn't have that speed and explosiveness. I don't know that he has CJ Mosley's instincts, but he's kind of like a combination of all those things where I do think he's instinctive. I think he's a very good leader. And he's, in my opinion, a three down linebacker who at times this year kind of got overshadowed, especially when the Alabama linebacker core got so hurt down the stretch. It was like, it was all on him. And I think the offenses were able to key on that a little bit. I, I think he's just going to be a plug-and-play standout linebacker at the next level. Yeah, he just screams Pittsburgh Steeler as well. Next up, I'm sorry, New Orleans, for the heartbreak, but welcome to draft season. You're uh, you're officially on the clock. Let's get them some interior help. Will Hernandez from UTEP. This guy's a four-year starter, used to pave the way for Aaron Jones, now the running back for the Green Bay Packers. Hernandez is a complete guard. This is about as boring of a draft pick as you can have. And then after his rookie season, you go, shit, that guy is really, really good, really reliable. He can open up your run game. This is how I paint this picture. The Saints have built this offensive line, and it's getting better and better. Here's the thing. As Drew Brees gets older, the identity of this football team is now Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, but really Alvin Kamara. Run the football. Build one of the most badass offensive lines in the NFL. You already got one of the best young running backs in the NFL. Don't rely on Drew Brees to throw the ball 50 to 60 times a game. This is, like I said, this is not a sexy pick, but I think this is one that will pay huge dividends to get them back in the postseason next year. That offensive line would be insane with Armstead, Hernandez, Pete, and Ramchek. 
Like that's you're starting and to Warford. Talk about, <laughs> yeah, you're starting to talk about Ooh. one of the best offensive lines in football. If that comes together, I, I would personally go defense here. I, I think they have to get speed at linebacker. So someone like Malik Jefferson, Kenny Vaccaro is a free agent. If they lose him, I can see Ronnie Harrison coming off the board here. Uh, now I get the the fun one with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, another team they have no quarterbacks uh, under contract for next year. Case Keenum, Sam Bradford. Uh, and Teddy Bridgewater, all free agents. Uh, it, it's it's a tough spot looking at that and saying, oh, God, like, where are they going to go? They they addressed the offense heavily last year. I mean, they drafted Dalvin Cook. Uh, I, I'm going to go defense. I, I think this is a great spot for Vita Vey to come off the board. I like their defensive tackles. Uh, I do think that you could you could upgrade. Uh, Linval Joseph is is very good, very solid. I think Vita Vey can be a similar type player, but also probably give you more of an athletic push in the middle of the line. And, and this is honestly like depending on what they do at quarterback, this is a hard team to draft for because they just don't have a ton of needs. You have I mean, I, wide receiver, maybe, but they've hit on guys like Adam Thielen and they've hit on Stephon Diggs. So you, you don't want to reach here for someone like Deion Kane. And maybe we finally see Laquan Treadwell turn it on and become a, a solid player. Um, another safety. Like maybe I almost went Ronnie Harrison just to tag him up with Harrison Smith and just say, you know, fuck it. We're going to go destroy people in the secondary. And we've done I, that I think before the on our the one of our previous mock drafts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Vita Vea, that's where I got him going. Well, it, it was a matter of time before Ronnie Harrison went off the board. Jacksonville Jaguars. I am a firm believer that this team needs a quarterback. I am also a firm believer that they will not be the ones bold enough to say, hey, we'll take Lamar Jackson. I, I just don't see it. I would love if they did. I don't think they will. And I think at this point, uh, you know, Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson, two guys that aren't really owed a ton of money. If you choose to move on from them, I would imagine Barry Church is here to stay. I think that secondary with Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye has been absolutely amazing. You put Ronnie Harrison back there, too. I don't see how anyone plays against this defense if you add him. There's so much speed, so much physicality. The Jaguars are one of those teams you look on paper and you say, okay, they could use a tight end. There's no one in this spot that I would draft a tight end for them. It's maybe Mark Andrews, probably not. I think they have a lot of depth at receiver. Allen Robinson will be back next year, and he's and they should franchise tag him because he's worth bringing back. You got Leonard Fournette. You're building the offensive line. Like I said, I don't think this is the time where they use quarterback. So Ronnie Harrison, this is probably a BPA kind of approach here, but you get a safety that really, really blends in well with that. The best cornerback duo in the NFL. It's as simple as that. I went safety in that mock draft I published Monday and, and said the same thing. You know, you, Barry Church is good, but he is also getting older. And why not plan for the future when you are a team with not many needs? On the Lamar Jackson note, I I could more likely see them draft Mason Rudolph here than Lamar yeah, Jackson. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Like looking at Tom Coughlin, looking at Doug Marone, knowing where they come from, knowing their philosophy, I would be I would be shocked if I would be Equally as surprised, like I said, with Baker going six to the Jets, this would be, I wouldn't even know what to do. I We're going to be doing a live show, I think, for the draft, and I would just sit there like, you know, like Will Ferrell on Talladega Nights with my hands up by my face. I wouldn't need, I, I would have no idea what to do. All right, Philadelphia Eagles, a team that I, I still can't believe they're at this point. I, I've written them off so many times, and they just keep keep on coming, keep playing great. I, I, I think this is another team that's hard to draft for because they have so much young talent, like, you look at, okay, well, maybe corner. No, because they have, like, they still have Sidney Jones coming off IR, who's going to be a player next year. And Jalen Mills has been great, and they traded for Ronald Darby. Uh, I, I'm going to go linebacker, Malik Jefferson from Texas. I, I look at that, what they have at linebacker, 
You know, Jordan Hicks cannot stay healthy. And I think Malik gives them a little more versatility. I know that Texas tried to make him a true Mike linebacker. I don't personally think that's the best spot for him. I I know I, I think I said during our interview last week, I see him as more of a weak side linebacker who can go after the quarterback a little bit. Not someone you necessarily want in coverage based on film, but in terms of athleticism, he's going to dominate the combine and coaches are going to look at him the same way that I do and say, holy shit, you have a kid that athletic and that down to earth and that smart. Let's unleash him. Let's let him just go make plays. I think that's what will. It wouldn't be surprising if he ends up being a Miles Jack type player in the NFL who's just you know, probably puts it together and ends up more productive in the pros than he did in college where he was just kind of an athlete making plays. Yeah, let him run around, especially with Jim Schwartz there in that defense. Good Lord, man. All right, let's close this out. New England Patriots, you are on the clock, assuming the Patriots win yet another Super Bowl. My heart breaks, but we still have to draft for them. This is going to be interesting because Nate Solder is a free agent. And they could use an offensive tackle, I think. And Orlando Brown is on the board. So I had a difficult decision to make. It was either Orlando Brown, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Chukwuma Okura 4 from Western Michigan. (laughs) Uh, It's weird. You want to say Oka 4, but that's not it. It's it's Okura 4. So listen, I'm excited to see him at the Senior Bowl because I think he's a guy that can actually really rise. But I think when all said and done, New England looks at Orlando Brown and says, hey, this guy might be ready to play right away as a rookie and dominate as a run blocker. You hope that he can level out his pass protection. I think he's a little stiff, but at 32, no gripes here. You just get your next, hopefully, franchise tackle and and continue. Tom Brady gets the ball out so fast that I think you can live with Brown's, you know, I don't want to say suspect pass rush at times, but I think there is a little concern there. What have you seen from Brown so far, Matt? Yeah, and I've seen him live. I I don't think his technique is any good. I think he has a really narrow stance. He struggles with leverage because he's so big. I mean, he's 6'8". It's just so hard to sink your hips and really get into pass rushers. So I, I he's one of those dudes where I completely disagree with what the, the scouts I talk to say because they talk about he might be a top 20 pick. And I'm like, shit, I thought he was probably like a late second rounder. And my comparison for him is Eric Flowers. So that is what it is at this point. So I I hate that for the Patriots fans. Hopefully he ends up better. But but again, people in the NFL tell me I'm stupid every time I bring him up because they're like, no, 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 this kid's, you know, he's a a top 20 pick and he's a great athlete. and He's a pedigree guy because, you know, his dad played in the league. And I, I just don't see it so far, but it is early and there's still time for either side to change their opinion of him. All right, let's well, take let me change that my pick a... real quick to the oh, Western Michigan your pick? kid. Okay, <laughs> just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I, I do think, like we talked about this with Davenport, um, who could have a big Senior Bowl week. Okrafort could have a big Senior Bowl week and rise. Now, I don't think it's going to be an Eric Fisher type rise. You know where no, he was. No. Eric Fisher was a late first round pick who, in a bad draft class, rose up and and he's been solid. I I could see Okrafort becoming a late first round pick. Um, or, you know, someone like Colt Miller from UCLA uh, would also be a, a name I would throw in as a late first rounder. But going offensive tackle for the Patriots makes a ton of sense for sure. All right. Wow. That was a marathon of a mock draft, but it had to be done. And <laughs> That's we're like an still hour, gonna answer, hour long mock yeah, draft there. We're still going to answer your draft on draft questions. So don't worry about that. Uh, we'll take one more break. And we'll be back for Draft on Draft. No Kennedy. She's still in Europe. She will be back with us on the ground in Mobile next week. So Matt and I will run that. We'll be right back after this. 
All right, everybody, if you've made it this far, we have a treat for you, unfortunately, without Kennedy. I do think the rumor is, she, well, I know she's going to be a mobile, so she'll be back next week. We've, yeah, we've missed her, and I'm I'm insanely jealous of all the stuff she's posting on Instagram where she's like, oh, I'm just drinking in Milan. Like, oh, I'm just freezing my ass off in Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that, rubbing our faces in it. Yeah, it's so fucking cold. Oh, man. Yeah, and I, boy, do we need caffeine. That was a long yes. mock draft, but we're not going to mail it in. We're going to answer your draft on draft questions, and I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to do a little rapid-fire draft on draft. We usually go super long. We'll knock these out for you. All right, first one from Ant the Oreo. He always sends good questions. Matt, when teams constantly have guys getting injured, does changing the medical staff really affect uh, It can, like, sometimes. You know, like, we've joked about the Chargers need to fire their doctor. It. I don't know that it's always on them. Sometimes it's like, oh, we're just drafting guys who are hurt a lot in college, and they're still hurt in the NFL, but... I do think there's something to you got to like look under every rock and figure out, okay, why, why do these guys continue to get hurt? Or why do we continue to like lead the NFL and the number of guys on IR? So I, I think there's something to look into it, but I mean, doctors are doctors. It's just a, it's an opinion based business, you know, on based in fact, but I, I don't know that like, if the chargers fire their team doctor, Jason Averitt isn't going to magically be healthy. Yeah, it's exactly. I do think there's some methods, though, to training differently. Yeah. I think training staff can definitely matter. You know, getting guys ready for the season, keeping guys fresh. But at the end of the day, you know, it's football. Injuries are going to happen. So, okay. Next up, from Vin Fedora. What are your thoughts on drafting two quarterbacks in one draft, like Washington with RG3 and Kirk Cousins? Oh, wow. I like it. Uh, I've, I think it depends on the situation. You know, we talked about a couple teams during the mock draft that don't have a quarterback. So, like the Cardinals. Uh, if somehow they land a quarterback in round one, sure. Like do it again in round four or five. I don't, uh, the Browns, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns did it, if they're not able to land a guy in free agency or a trade. So I don't think it's a negative thing. You just have to spread it out. And the Packers did this back in the day. It was like the year after they drafted Aaron Rodgers. They drafted, uh, they draft like Matt Flynn and Brian Brom in the same draft. And Matt Flynn ended up being a really good backup and even got paid by Seattle to be a starter. So I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, I put it like this. I think round one, guys, you, you hope to know what you're getting. The odds are a little higher. They pan out. Round two and beyond with quarterback, it's lotto tickets. And the more you have, the better chance you have of finding one. But at the end of the day, it's, listen, it's almost a crapshoot after round one. Yeah. So I don't mind it. It's fine. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me read the next one. Let, let's give you a, an answer off the top. All right. Uh, this is from Chris Thomas. Was Shula the main problem with the Panthers offense, or do we need more help at wide receiver and running back? What solutions are there in free agency and the draft? I think it's a mix of both. I think when you look at this team, what receivers did they have to work with? Greg Olson was hurt, obviously trading Kelvin Benjamin. Not great. Um, you know, you'd like to see Curtis Samuel have a full season next year. I thought Christian McCaffrey was very solid as a rookie. I think there are situations where they put Cam in very vulnerable situations to get, take a lot of hits. And that I don't like from the offense because I think that can be avoided at times. I do think when you look at the draft and free agency, obviously there's a million solutions. I don't think the Panthers spend big on wide receiver and free agency. I think they have, you know, a guy in Curtis Samuel that'll be used as a, uh, you know, a gadget guy running back wide receiver. McCaffrey is kind of the same way at times, although he's more traditional running back. And we said earlier in the mock draft, I believe I gave them Cortland Sutton. I think that would be your answer, especially in the, I, I think one question that I don't know the answer to that, that they have to ask themselves is did Shula hold cam back or did cam hold Shula back? 
you know, like that's, you know, hard to know. chicken yeah. or the egg. I really don't know, but I, I think we'll find out uh, based on what they do this off season. Uh, oh, our boy, Anthony Mongaluzzo. I fucking love this guy. He has great questions every week. Well, looking at offensive line prospects, how do you determine if a center who's never played guard before is capable of playing guard at the next level? So the way I do this is it's all about agility and athleticism. So uh, a center center to guard, I think is very similar. Like you're, you're pulling similarly. Your movements are the same. It's a lot different than tackle to guard because your steps for pass blocking are so different. But I think guard to center, your steps are pretty much the same. The biggest question for me would be, Okay, if it's a center like James Daniels at Iowa, okay, can he get out in space and pull? Is he athletic enough to make plays outside the tackle box where he has to be a lead blocker in the run game? So that's the biggest thing that I would look at. Yeah, I think when you look at how they get to the second level of the field, I think the leverage they play with. Like I watch Frank Ragno, who I think is far and away the best center in this class. And I think he has he's got a huge frame, but I think he plays with so much power that you look at him and you say, he could play guard if you really wanted him to. I just think he's special at center. So I think you broke it down really well, but there's just a lot of qualities that you look for. And it's the, the transition, I don't want to say is easy, but it's one of the ones in the NFL that is easier to either see it or if it's not there, it's it's pretty clear. Yep. All right, the sure. next one from Danny Wilson. How does the quality of this year's top 50 compare to previous years? All right, Mr. Big Board. How is how's it oh, looking man. so far? So I, I think the first, like guys who I will actually have our first round grade on will be low compared to previous years. But I like the second round talent. I, I started doing preliminary grades, which are all subject to change. And I ended up with 15 round one grades. But then I ended up with like 45 round two grades. So it ended up being like, you know, and that will probably parse out to where there won't be that many. But I I did end up liking the depth of this class a little more than I expected. I just I'm not crazy about the top end talent. So I think top 50 is going to be pretty similar. But as of now, that's where a lot of the D line depth is. That's where a lot of the offensive tackle depth is, is in that second round. Whereas the first round is, you know, going to be like, running backs and corners and you know safeties. And I, I really like the tight end class as well in round two. Yeah, I look at this class and I say, okay, there's like five really good players I like at the top. And, and then really there's like a weird range from like 15 to 45 where a lot of it starts to blend together a little bit. I, I don't really... It's interesting how tight the pack is. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm not blown away by this draft class by any means. I think it's considered generally a little weaker, but there is plenty starting caliber players in the top 50. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Jets France wants to know who are the top five punt returners and kick returners in the draft. I'll be honest. I haven't gone that deep. Like I have notes on guys who are, like kick apart returners, but I don't have them ranked yet. Uh, just off memory, I mean, Dante Pettis at Washington yep. is a stud uh, return man. Uh, Quadri Henderson, uh, who yep. came out early, is another really good one. Um, those are, are the two that I that stand out. I mean, Saquon Barkley is one of the best kick returners in the country, but I, I'm not going to ask him to ever do that in the NFL. <clears throat> so those are the guys that, that really stand out to me right now as – they have the vision, they have the speed to to not only be you know, good in college, but also good in the NFL. 
Yeah, one guy that I think we should add, too, is Mike Hughes from UCF, the corner. He is an excellent cornerback, but he is an electric return man as a punt returner and kick returner. He is a hell of an athlete. People don't know this about Mike Hughes. Him and MJ Stewart were actually a corner tandem at UNC at one time, which is freakish to think about. he transferred not too far from me. He ended up at Garden City uh, Community College in Kansas. And I mean, he really has one year of production in college at like four picks this year. He he's going to be an interesting one to check out now that he's declared for the draft and and just to see like there there's some hype on him for sure. Uh, it, it's going to be fun to, to watch him rise up the board, I think. All right. From Griffin Schneider, how do you reconcile teams and scouts being wrong on a guy like Trent Richardson versus someone like Kamara or Hunt going in the third round or an undrafted Arian Foster? Well, I think it's so situational. You know, it's like, I don't know that you can reconcile it. You have to look at the reasons that people succeed or fail. Uh, Alvin Kamara, if he had been drafted by the Browns, is not going to have this breakout year. He ended up in a great situation to where a team recognized his talents and his abilities, and they put him in a situation to succeed. Trent Richardson was dominant in college, got into the NFL, got banged up, gained weight, had a surgery, and just lost it. I mean, he was even good as a rookie and just lost that ability. So I don't know that you can... I've had this conversation with a a scout before, and it's the difference between a bust and a bad pick. You know, like Trent Richardson was a bust. There are other guys who are just bad picks. They they shouldn't have gone to that situation. Um, it, It was never the right value or the right fit for them. So, you know, it's... And I would even say Arian Foster, right place, right time. I mean, that scheme was so perfect for what he had. You know, he was never a speed back, but he had vision and he was patient. So asking him to play in a zone scheme where he was a one-cut guy was perfect for him. And I think Hunt is in some ways very similar to Arian Foster in that I know he had like that one breakaway run against the Patriots and people are like, oh, you said he wasn't fast. He's not fast, but he has some burst and he has good vision. And that's why he's able to work in Kansas City. Yeah, and I think it, this goes back to your you know, situation. It just matters what scheme they're in and what's around them. I think the other thing is character. I think a really good example is Trent Richardson's a guy that admitted he was not the same, did not have the same work ethic at the next level, whereas you hear Alvin Kamara come out and say, yeah, when I got my signing bonus or got paid, I put that money in the bank and I went and got a plate of chicken wings. It's like yeah. it's just a different <laughs> level of intelligence. Like Kamara is a guy that's a very, very intelligent guy. He's been on this podcast. He's hilarious, but he's also a very smart guy and a guy that works really hard. And he's got obviously fresh legs from not playing that much in college, but just a different mindset. I think Foster was another way, another guy like that. I think Kareem Hunt really went that late because he went to Toledo. I think that matters. That kind of stuff really matters. There's always little caveats that force guys to get overlooked and it, it, that's what separates the great evaluators from the evaluators that don't hang around that long in the league. Yeah, for sure. Our buddy Gershman wants to know, what's the one thing you would change about the draft or scouting process, whether it be timelines or drills slash pro days? This I, I've been thinking about this one since I saw it on here this morning, and I don't have anything. I used to always say like the draft should be sooner. But it can't be because you have so many pro days that you have to get to. Like the whole month of March and even part of April is made up of pro days. There's just so many colleges and kids that you you can't get to all of them. Like you you really just can't get to all of them. So I, I think the NFL has done a great job of scheduling this out. They've also done a great job of monetizing it. You know, I mean, the combine is must-see TV now. And, and they do live pro day shoots that, you know, a million people watch. So I... 
I don't know if there's anything that I would change as far as that all goes. It lets, I would let people <laughs> in the media in to watch the combine. That's what I would change. Yeah, that's a very fair one. I wish the draft was earlier, but you make the great case of why it's not. I would entirely get rid of the bench press. Uh, and I hate that they sell tickets for the fans to watch it. That's like literally the worst thing on planet Earth. Um, I wish you could see guys or know how much they squat or deadlift because that's so much more important than the bench press. But the the risk you take of having them do that there is way too high. But I, I just don't think it's a very necessary drill anymore. If they want to do it at their pro day because it's a strength, let them. That's fine. So, yeah. Okay. The ne- next one from Noah Cooley. Could the Cowboys get interior D-line or linebacker if Ridley and Sutton are off the board in the first? Just to let you know, Matt, I've been on Cowboys podcasts and talked to the fans. They are hell-bent on taking a receiver at 19 overall. Yeah, and I am too for them. I I think it is the biggest need. Now, if like in our mock draft, Ridley was off the board, so I went interior D-line with Maurice Hurst. So I think it is possible. Uh, Sutton is going to be an interesting prospect. I mean, when he plays at SMU, he just... He looks like Randy Moss, like he's just dominating, but we've not seen him play against big competition. I have no idea how fast he is, which is going to be something that definitely plays into the situation. If I remember correctly, he accepted an invite to the senior bowl unless that's been changed. So we should get a chance to see him uh, really soon. It has changed. Never mind. I was going to say, yeah, not anymore. Fake news. Fake news. He's gone. Okay, so we will see that at the combine and and get, get a good feel for exactly how fast he is. All righty, moving on to Gareth Phillips. Of the two to three main wide receivers in this draft, who has the most potential or appear to be the best prospect? I think we answered both of those pretty quickly during the mock draft. And and correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt. Calvin Ridley is the best prospect. We both agree on that in the receiver group. I think Cortland Sutton and DJ Moore have the most upside, at least in my eyes. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I know you like Christian Kirk, Maybe throw Christian Kirk in there just because... And I, he's so not what I normally like in a receiver, but he's just so damn explosive that in the right system, I can see him being really, really good. But yeah, I think Ridley's the most pro ready and like Sutton is the one where you, you said it. I mean, he could be this year's Alshon. He could be this year's Michael Thomas type guy who goes in round two and ends up being the best receiver from the class. I don't, I don't think that would be a surprise at this point. All right, uh, Bart, Bart Upa, Upa, I'm horrible with names. You guys know this. Asked, what are our <laughs> thoughts on the entire Clemson D-line coming back? I love it. Uh, and I've had people like tweeting me all morning, you know, like, oh, like I can't believe this guy's going back. Can't believe that guy's going back. I don't care. I, I genuinely don't. If, a, if Bryce Love wants to go back to Stanford, go back. Maybe he wants to win a Heisman. Maybe he wants to graduate. Maybe he, maybe he doesn't feel like he's mature enough for the NFL yet. It's none of our business. It really isn't. It, it pisses me off to no end when people are like, oh, this guy's making a mistake. We don't know their situations. And for the guys in the Clemson D-line, they have something special there. It's, it's going to be the best D-line in college football again next year. Again, it's yeah. A, a group that like they have, they have this chemistry and they want to be together. Who the fuck are we to say they should leave college early? You know, it's like I, I have a teenage daughter and I, I tell her all the time, you have the rest of your life to be a grown up. I just have fun in high school, have fun in college. And then, then you go to like, go to work and be an adult. Just have fun for now. These kids are 20 and 21 and 22 years old. Just let's, if they want another year of college, good for them. I I applaud that they are not making rash decisions. Like many of the 100 players who've declared early, 
who won't be drafted or will be drafted late when they could go higher next year. Look at Bradley Chubb. He was a second-round pick if he had come out last year. He's going to be a top-five pick now. So I don't know why everyone gets on their fucking high horse and tries to make decisions for these kids that we don't know. Instead, let's wait until January 16th, and let's see who's in the class, and then we'll evaluate them instead of playing this pressure game of trying to make kids declare. Well said, man. I could not agree more. And I think, and also you look at Bryce Love. Do people realize he goes to Stanford? Do they know anything about Stanford? That's not a bad place to get your degree from. If Bryce Love wants to go back to school, try to win a Heisman where he was pretty damn fucking close this year and get his degree from Stanford and probably still go on the second day of the draft, good for Bryce Love. Yeah. Who cares? And come back and show that you can catch the ball. Like, we've talked about him so much on this show. You're a small running back with great speed, but, man, you didn't catch the ball. Guess what? If you show that next year, we're going to be talking about you in a completely different light. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. Bingo, dude. That was perfect. All right, a really fun question here from Ross Smith. If you could come back to life as one actor, one sports star, and one musician, who would they be and why? He he sent me this last night on Facebook, and I was like, holy shit, man. <laughs> it's a great, I, I saw you guys tweeting question. about it. It's so hard to narrow down, though. Um, my my one, sports star yeah. was easy. It, well, I, w- I want to know who you said, because I bet mine is completely... Off the wall, different. Who's your? You know sports what's funny? Star? I didn't. I didn't even think of my answers right away. Like this is going to be spur of the moment. I have two for musician, but sports star. Uh, for me, it would be Joe Namath because oh, wow. when you're cool. yeah. a good when you're a good quarterback in New York City, you are bigger than any human being in New York City. That's what it comes down to. Like if Eli had personality. Eli would own New York. Now, he still does in a way. Trust me, after the Giants won those two Super Bowls, uh, oh, my God. Uh, Joe Namath at the time? Joe Namath had more swag than any quarterback to ever. I mean, Cam Newton is giving him a good run now. But Joe Namath was the king of swag. I would come back as Joe Namath and run New York City. Uh, And maybe I, okay, so does the person have to be dead? If so, I did this wrong. Damn. Uh, I don't know. I just took it as anyone. No, you can come back okay. as someone that's alive right now. You okay. trying to come back Mine as Jimmy be... G? <laughs> no, I'm no, <laughs> no, I can't. I thought about pressure. it. <laughs> I would pick Mike Trout. Hey, dude's oh, making yeah. like what thirty five million dollars a year to play baseball. Fuck yeah, okay, I'll play center hey, field for the Angels. Fucking five tool player. Hell yeah, right. And you get to be a free agent again in three years. So Mike Trout would be my my sports star. Who you said you have your musician? Who would it be? Uh, I would either be Jim Morrison from The Doors because nobody partied harder than him, or I yeah. would want to be uh, one of the three members from Migos just because like they're, oh, they're they're fucking king of the kings of the world right now. So there's one dead and three that are currently on top right now. Two totally different, two totally yeah, right? different areas of music too. So I'm gonna say one that a lot of people are gonna hate because people shit on everything. I I think Dave Grohl is one of the like oh, most that special musicians, like just in terms of talent as a musician, the dude can fucking do everything. And I wouldn't want to be someone like who died too young, you know. Like I don't, I don't want to be Prince. And he's you know, seen who, like, some shit out too, early, too. You know, yeah, yeah, right. You were in Nirvana, like fuck that. Yeah, he's you know, lived so. through some shit. Also, one of the coolest human beings in America right now by far. Foo Fighters put on as good a show as anyone in the country. Yeah. Okay, That's, now you got to right, pick an actor. Actor, god damn. 
Um, jeez, man. Part of me wants to say like Liam Neeson, just so I can like just fuck people up. But he's kind of like old and not really that cool. Honestly, okay. I have I have one. If you're if if I can jump ahead of you on one, yeah, go ahead. I don't go want ahead. You to steal it. I'm gonna pick Ryan Reynolds. Not only okay, is he that's, funny, damn it, he's yeah, and you're married to Blake Lively, so yeah, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I thought it was the first one I thought of. Actually, was like I had that one last night when I saw this question. It was like, oh, that's easy. Yeah, okay. The others are the hard ones. <laughs> yeah, that one is uh, man, and you get to be Deadpool, right, dude? I know. Fuck you, dude. That's a all right. You topped that <laughs> one. That's a fun question. I want you to. You should ask Mello that question on Friday. That's a yeah, yeah. We'll get it. Uh, and I think yeah, we'll have Mello and Dan this week, so I'll throw that on there to to that'll be a fun question for them to debate. All right, we got one uh, more from our good buddy. Well, yeah, from Jared Brown, who we will hopefully be having beers with. Uh, He's coming Monday. Time. <laughs> I talked to nice. him. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. Craziest thing you've ever seen playing a drinking game? Um, I have a story that it's kind of involves a drinking game, but also involves a Super Bowl. So I think it's very appropriate for this podcast. So when the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2011, Right, that was 2011. I'm bugging. It definitely was. Yeah, uh, I was in college, and I was still in the dorms. So we had a suite, and like obviously everyone was drinking, playing drink games, Super Bowl on. A ton of people I lived with, obviously Giants fans. Uh, you know, I'm from New York, and <laughs> so everyone's going nuts when like there's a good chance the Giants could win their second Super Bowl against the Patriots in the last five years. And at the time, I mean, you, know, you guys know I'm a huge Jets fan. I was like, hey, who the hell do you root for? Like, if you're a Jets fan, you don't like the Giants, but you obviously despise the Patriots. So at halftime, uh, I was talking to this girl at the time, and she was all the way downtown from where I lived. And she's like, hey, you know, this the parties I'm at is super lame. Can you come pick me up? And I was like, yeah, sure, it's fine. I hadn't been drinking. Um, that's a true story because it's just a miserable Super Bowl for me. It was end up being an amazing game, but it's, a, I was like not in a party mood at all. And so I was like, yeah, I'll come get you. So I, I drive downtown, uh, go pick her up. And on my way back, up, it was a decent trip. So I guess something, you know, obviously a ton of crazy shit happened in the third quarter. I get a call and they're like, Hey, uh, don't come back. And I was like, what do you mean? Don't come back. Like I'm 10 minutes away from the, the, uh, the apartment. And they're like, yeah, one of my friends, I, don't know if they were like playing beer pong or if they were celebrating a touchdown kept slamming his hand against, we had a giant glass window instead of a wall. It was just a window for the living room and he slammed right through it. And we were on the third floor and he didn't, he didn't fall off the, the apartment, but his arm went through it and smashed all of it down to the bottom. And the cops and res life, were downstairs like in the lobby outside and everybody in my suite got written up probably got fined from the cops and i got away with all of it because i stepped out for a half hour to go pick up this girl and i would have been furious if i was sober and fined and written up during a giants patriots super bowl furious that's like robert kimdichi shit yeah (laughs) it kind of that was my robert kimdichi moment of college or one of many but <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the best one I got for you. That regards to it has to do with football too. Wow. I so I don't. Yeah. I was and, thinking I'd have. I've never seen anything crazy during a drinking game because 
I don't, I guess we do all our crazy stuff after. The only thing I have close to that is, uh, like Mello has said before, and, and Dan has said too on the Friday show, I'm shockingly good at, like, at drinking games. You know, it's like cornhole, uh, beer pong. Like, it's just, I'm not an athlete. That's like the only thing I can do is play those games. And the last time we played cornhole, I was a little cocky because I had uh, run the table a little bit. And there was a group tailgating next to us uh, of girls. And they were like, hey, can we play cornhole? And we're like, yeah, sure. You know, sure. Yeah. Watch this. And they completely kicked my ass. Like just, <laughs> all that talk for nothing. Th- this girl was like the rain man of, of cornhole or something. She could not <laughs> miss. There was one throw, one like round. She hit three like beanbags in the hole, like not just on the board. She like n- nothing but net. And I was just like, what? Like, is this a ringer? Like, what the fuck is Dude, happening? Dude, there's right serious now? people getting yeah. dominated. So uh, I've been humbled when it comes to cornhole. You can't mess around with cornhole because you think it's like a recreational. Everyone just plays for fun when they're drinking outside. My buddies, uh, the degenerates that they are in Hoboken, were in a league. And now when I play against my one of the three, they won the league, the three of them. One of them does not miss. Like, he, like you said, he doesn't even touch the board. He just threw the hole straight every time. And it's like unbelievable how good people get at yard games. And how funny you could really swindle people. Like, oh, yeah, we'll play for 20 bucks. Like, we never play. That's probably what happened <laughs> yeah. to you. That would, yeah. I, I've never so, put money on it, but now I'm starting to think, like, this could be my summer job. Just yeah. going to run. Oh, and one more caveat and, about the Super Bowl story is that it was February in Albany. So imagine my wall being broken through. The glass window oh smashed God. through. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Seven I mean, it was hila- it's hilarious, but, yeah, it was a little cold. So, Damn. We had a lot of good questions this week. Yeah, and I feel like that last one really got us into the spirit of Mobile. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God, yes. Senior Bowl week's going to be incredible. Uh, it's And we're actually going to dedicate a big part of the Friday show to like Senior Bowl stories and Senior Bowl tips, like for people who maybe they've gone before, but they like, you know, just went back to the hotel after practice or people, you know who want to experience the other side of mobile. We're just going to, I'm going to like work all week on just my do's and don'ts for the senior bowl. And so the the Friday show will be must listen. If, if people are planning on attending do throw up before practice. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Matt's, yeah. That's Matt's number one. Um, if you're a long time listener, <laughs> me and Mello have told that story before. And, and listen, if you show up Monday to the draft picks tap house for the live show, We'll guide you the rest of the way. You, you're in. You're in the clear. So show up for the oh, live yeah, show. Just we're follow gonna, from there. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have a great time. I can't wait for next week. I, I think our producer, what do you call it, spring break for for football people or something like it that. It really it's, is. Yeah, it's gonna be great, man. I can't wait. Show 41 in the books. I can't believe we made it this far. It's almost been a year. Yeah, it's it's insane. So a lot of fun today. Uh, definitely check out the Friday show. Like I said, we'll have a lot of, uh, it'll be a, uh, we'll cover more of the news of the week that we didn't get to tonight or today. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about senior bowl prep. And then Monday morning, we'll have that senior bowl preview show coming out for you. I've already started packing. That's how excited I am for mobile. I just picked up our stick to football pullovers. I'm ready to check those out. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Long show today, but a good show. Uh, hopefully you had fun. We'll talk to you the next time. Connor and I will talk to you. We'll be live from Draft Picks Tap Room. Drinking beers. Uh, we'll Real Draft on week. Draft is back. 